after 10 episodes of thinking and talking about some of the bigger strategic questions of employer brand and talent acquisition, we end season one with a twist. That is, we go small. We talk about 12 very specific things you can do almost right away to positively impact your employer brand and talent acquisition outcomes. Now, like all good season finales, this one ends with a twist. Will we return for season two? That remains to be seen. But thank you so much for watching season one as we enter episode 11 of The Brand Plan. You're listening to The Brand Plan, the podcast about the intersection of talent, brand, and strategy with your hosts, Marcus Body of 33 and James Ellis of Employer Brand Labs. Hey, Marcus. Hey, James. How's it going? It's good. It's good. I think it's the last two days of summer here in Chicago weather-wise, so we're enjoying two days, if enjoying is the right word, enjoying 90-degree temperatures today and tomorrow, and we'll be uh, hopefully better after that. You? How you doing? Fantastic. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's pretty warm here. I have no idea what Fahrenheit it is, but it's the first week back of all the kids going back to school, so suddenly we have glorious sunshine that everyone wishes we had last week. So <laughs> It's always the way. That's weather. You can't count on it. Uh, right. In this, our 11th episode of the Talentcast, we're going to try and do something a little different. For those of you who have been listening along and following along, and thank you very much for doing so, uh, we had some pretty big strategic conceptual you know, conversations, right? We mentioned Camus. We mentioned uh, a lot of big thinkers, right? This is not your standard recruiting podcast. You know, when you bring up Camus, um, <laughs> I just, I just, it just still strikes me. It still hits me. It's funny. It's just, it, what can I say? Um, this time we're going to try and do something as at the end, you know, kind of the end of season one. Uh, let's do something a little more focused, a little more immediate, something you can do, ideas you can take immediately back to work and say, ah, I know what to do. We can make these immediate changes to help us out. How does that strike you, Marcus? Yeah, I think it'd be a good way to sort of pull it all back. It's like, that's all been very interesting, but what's something I could do next week? What's something I could do tomorrow? What's something I could do this afternoon? Yeah. Um, that That helps actually get going on some of these bigger ideas that we've been talking about over the last 10 episodes. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Cool. So, so uh, the, here's a bunch of things you can do right now. I, uh, do you want me to do the first one or do you want to grab the first one? Uh, you go first. Go on. Okay. Okay. This is, I mean, for anybody who knows and he listens to me, this is my bugbear. This is my, uh, the thing I like to beat up on because I can and because it still remains a thing that needs to get beaten up on. Please, for the love of all things holier in recruiting, stop saying we're hiring in your posts. You don't need to say <laughs> it. Like, it, there's no salesman out there saying, I'm selling. It, it does, there is no equivalency that works in any way, shape, or form. And not it, look, it's, there's so many layers of how bad this idea is. It's insanely lazy. It, shows, it doesn't differentiate you in any way, shape, or form. Um, it is the first post that people scroll past when they're not looking for jobs. And by the way, 95% of people who are scrolling on your feed are not in fact looking for jobs, right? Just the basic kind of in-market, out-market model. But more, most importantly to me, if you continue to do stuff that you know doesn't work and it fills a gap because you think it needs to be filled, it keeps you from coming up with anything better. And frankly, we're hiring, join us, uh, amazing opportunity and their ilk are those lowest of the low that you cannot get worse posts than that short of translating them into Icelandic, into Russian and back again into whatever language you're at and saying, hope for the best. They're horrible and they keep you from doing good work. And frankly, if you wrote anything else, literally anything else, they would be better. You would attract more people. Pe people would see that post more. They'd engage with that post more. It doesn't have to be 
copywritten. It doesn't have to be glorious. It doesn't have to be clever and witty and funny and all the other, just anything different. And it's a win. Definitely. I think, you know, the only way I can possibly think of a time that that might be a good idea is if everybody wanted to work for you and they were waiting for you to suddenly be hiring. And yeah. then that's the only time when that is actually a thing that's going to work is if we've all been waiting for you to let us know that you're finally, oh, brilliant. Now we'll do So like, you know, if, if NASA announced a new mission to Mars and then they could suddenly do, yep, yeah, okay, now we're yeah. okay. Yeah. That yeah. Will, Where there's pent up demand. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. But outside that, but it's also down to who's following you. I mean, you know, if you're an employer brand specialist, the only time that a significant proportion of your friends on LinkedIn are going to be interested in that is if you're hiring for another employer brand specialist. If you're hiring <laughs> for almost anything else, the people who follow you aren't really that interested. And it's like, yeah, I mean, it, it's not a great idea. It's, I, I'd say it's a symptom of the something must be done. This is something. Let's do yes. that. Yes. And it's, it, you know, it's probably not going to do you any great damage, but in the long run, it will because people will just get bored of you and they'll mute you. Yeah. It, it, it's it's so deeply rational. It becomes yeah. irrationally dumb. It becomes <laughs> it's it's there, it, it hits this turning point where you're like, well, we are hiring. It's completely true. It's like, yeah. And it doesn't help you. It's not serving you. And to your point about, you know, your friends looking for the employer brand strat, uh, brand specialist job, they're more interested in you announcing your new job. They're not interested yeah, in the yeah. weird hiring post. They're waiting for you to get out so they can take your job. That is, I mean, that's how bad a weird hiring post really is. They're literally waiting for you to quit. Definitely. Definitely. Could not agree more. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd agree. That's that's just something to stop doing. Please. Literally try anything else and see anything, how you go. Anything. Gra like Scrabble <laughs> tiles and random word, like magnetic poetry on your fridge, like stuff like that. Random words would even be better than we're hiring. I'm just saying. So I'm going to link one to that, which I think is kind of then the, the alternative thing is do some experimentation on social media. Whatever you're doing, experiment with it. If every ad you're running has a picture in it, try some that got a video in it. If everything yep. you run has a video in it, try some with a picture in it. If everything you run has a picture and a video in it, try some that are text. Like literally experiment yep. and don't be afraid to experiment more and log what happens and, and be prepared to admit when the thing you didn't think would work did and be prepared to admit when the thing you thought should work didn't. And, uh, and you know, don't take a one-off as science, but start collecting things. Because if you don't experiment at all, you can never know. Exactly. But as soon as you start experimenting, you've got a data set to work with. And you can start going, ah, I noticed when I started doing this, all the LinkedIn posts I made that got the most interaction from other people had a question in them. Simple as that. Yep. And, and it worked. And I, I suddenly went, oh, that's the thing I can do that would get, if I want a response from people, that's what I should do. Totally. So simple thing, experiment, see what happens, keep a note of what happens and start using that. Yeah, totally. And, and, and embrace the idea that experimentation is not there to tell you you're right. It's actually there to tell you no. that there are other opportunities that, for you to be. So be willing to see that, oh, wow, I, I, there's seven ways I could do this better. That's not a failing. You just leveled up, my friend. You are, re you are now better than you were yesterday. That's a good thing. And I think if you're looking to experiment, and I 100% agree, I mean, 1000% agree, it's amazing how small changes make massive differences. I did a, an audit years ago for enterprise holdings here in the States. And I just looked at the last like months worth of postings. And it turns out photos where you saw human faces performed yep. almost twice as well as photos without humans in them. And that's yep. a small thing. And yet yep. you can't argue twice as much. You can't argue double and half. I mean, it's, it's just that simple.
and it's a small and incredibly actionable thing, right? It's, yes. it's a thing you can do something with and you can build. So, but yeah, have your brand guidelines and have the rules that you're going to stick to. But every so often, try something different and, and try something different and monitor what happens when you do it, because otherwise you'll stuck in a piece of research that was done five years ago and you never mm -hmm. question it and you never find out if the world has changed and the world does change. It does. So, yeah. and, and social media is a really great place to do that because Brilliant. what yeah. you posted two weeks ago, no one remembers unless you said Brilliant. something so horrible that turned into a meme that people made fun of on Reddit. Like if you were like, if you did something horribly wrong, they're going to remember it. Otherwise people are going to forget. It doesn't matter. So you can try things. They're at a yes. little kind of, maybe not out of bounds, but certainly different and not feeling like, oh, this is cast into stone for all of eternity. This is the place where you do experiment because experiments, bad experiments get thrown out very easily with no cost and the learning can double your growth. It can double your audience relatively quickly. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think it's dead easy to do it to some extent, you know, and, and you can do it on all sorts of things. You know, if you're sending an email to potential candidates, you've got a, you've probably got one you cut and paste all the time. Yeah. Change it up a bit. Try a different one for a, for a week. See what happens. Your career site is a kind of litmus test for your entire talent strategy. It should pique the interest and engage the people you most want to hire. Does your career site connect your company to the people you are trying to attract? Is it tailored to what candidates want to learn and how they want to learn it? Have you even updated it in the last year or two? If it's time to rethink your career site and make it a more strategic element in your recruiting plan, stay tuned. Totally. Uh, what do you, you, you up next? Yeah, I think so. Um, so going from social to web, uh, your career site, I'm not going to say rewrite your career site because we all know that involves, uh, you know, the, the cook, the bottle washer, everybody and their dog, the lawyers, everybody shows up for those conversations. There is a place on your career site, though, where you can make a very big change very quickly. It's not a big change. It's actually a simple change very quickly that will have a major impact, not in traffic, not in impressions, not in search, but in credibility. And that is every one of you, I can, I feel really certain about this, has a, a section or a page on your site called benefits and you list health insurance and paid time off and, you know, you know, daily toe massages or whatever the heck you're talking about, all these wonderful things that you offer these people, usually in the form of a bulleted list, a laundry list of we offer this, we offer this, we offer this. Every once in a while, I see them segmented into health and wellness benefits. Here's four benefits. And then financial benefits, and there's three benefits. And then, you know, whatever. It, it's, but it's very much a, here are facts. And that's how it sounds to me when I read it in my head. Rewrite them such that it proves the brand you're trying to get traction on. So if you're there to talk about innovation, talk about how the benefits allow you to create more innovation. If you're all there about supporting each other, show how these benefits are there to help you support one another. If it, you're always there for allowing people to do their best work, how do those benefits do that? Just listing benefits is a huge missed opportunity. And it's a really powerful space because remember, Companies spend a whole lot of money on benefits, like a whole lot of money. And any time a company spends money, when they talk about the money, that's the stuff they care about, right? I joke that what a company rewards is what a company actually cares about. And this is a reward. This is a kind of reward. And, you know, it's easy to say we love the plants and we love the whales and we love the Ewoks or whatever the heck they love. It's super easy to make that poster. It costs them 12, 12 cents. It's really expensive to give everybody health insurance. And if they're doing it, there's a reason. 
and that matters. And if you can piggyback off that baked in credibility of this is where the company's spending their money, it bolsters your brand significantly. Absolutely. I think that's, that's a great bit of advice. I think, you know, we all know that the website is really important, but often redoing the website is a year's job and oh, $100,000 and a new system. And it all gets a bit complicated. There is always some critical pages you can change. If you have a page about your application process, take a look at it and improve that. That's another one that can make a yep. big difference. But once someone's interested, that's the bit they're going to read while they're applying or just after they've applied. That one's really important. If you have one, fix it. If you don't have one, don't worry. You don't necessarily need one. Some of you yep. have too much variation to do that. But, you know, it's the, I mean, we're going to go highbrow again here, James. Epictetus said the secret to happiness is... To concern yourself with the things that within within your control and accept the things that are not. And, and websites very much fall into this category is find the things that you can fix and fix them. Don't get too angry with the things you can't fix yet. I mean, yes, you know they need to be done. But for now, there's usually some text you can improve. Go and do that. Yeah, it's not just the accent that makes us different. It's that you're quoting the Greek, and I'm going to the serenity prayer for the same knowledge. It's the same, God bless the, give me the strength to change the things I can and the wisdom to know the difference, right? It's the same it's idea. Same idea. But Absolutely. yeah, it's, it's, it always sounds smarter when you quote the Greeks. Um, and I think that's <laughs> I interesting. I quoted the wrong one. I just wish to disclaimer, well, yeah. Luckily, they're all dead. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I think that the concept of like thinking about, well, where do people spend their time? Where do they spend their attention? Like a application process page, it don't go, oh, wow, they, they spend a lot of time there. Cool. Factoid. Like, no, this is the place where they spend time. This, think of this as the place where they're leaning in a bit more to look at the content. Completely. Don't just list facts, much like the benefits page. Find ways of threading in the why that connects to your brand. If they're paying attention, if they're listening, if somebody said uh, once, a brand is a pattern, ultimately. Yes. And the more it adheres to that pattern, the stronger the brand. So if you have, hey, over here, we're this brand that does X, Y, and Z, and then you come to these pages like benefits and how to apply, and it ignores all that, yeah. you've broken the pattern and you've killed the brand. Right. Coke talks about happiness in every single breath. I don't care what page it's on them. Investor relation page talks about that stuff. Right. They are a strong brand because they maintain the pattern. Exactly. I mean, it's, it's all about repetition. You know, if you're going to convince me that you have a brand attribute, you need to tell me you've got that thing and then tell me again and then tell me again and then tell me again. And every single time. And actually, it's not a problem if you go, oh, we've already told them this. Yep. Good. Tell them Do it again. again. <laughs> and, and, you know, actually, that is the key of how you're going to actually give them some confidence that it's true. It is not a proof point. It's saying the same things consistently. So don't mm -hmm. worry about, oh, this page repeats what's said on that page. They might not have read both of those pages. And even if they have, great yeah you know so yeah. It, it's such a simple thing to do but it's amazing how many people haven't done it yeah. um who's up is it you up next or is it me i've lost i think track it's of you i think it's you yeah so i think let, let's do the kind of corollary to this which is okay so you, the website bit there's the same thing to be done with your hr system and all the comms hidden in there so you know the automated emails that, that come out of that system and have you checked this? And you know, in particular, the one I, I often say to clients as soon as we finish an EVP project, have you seen your own rejection letter? Because that goes to 98% of the people who, who apply to you. <laughs> yes. Chances are someone put it into the HR system five years ago and no one's looked at it since. 
Um, it's probably the single highest readership piece of employment comms you have 100%. is the one that says, we're terribly sorry you haven't got the job and I'm afraid we won't be able to give you any individualized feedback. Yeah, That is the one that you want to go and have a look at and just go, can we say something nicer there? Could we say something a bit more positive? Can we can we say no gracefully? As someone once explained to me, recruitment is really about saying no gracefully. Yeah, yeah. it really is. Yeah. So yeah. I think audit those or even just audit the most important ones. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, remember when you bought your ATS and you installed it, they, 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 it came with a checklist about as long as your, you know, body of all the things you had to do. And towards the end was rewrite the, all the automated emails. And it came with some defaults and some templates. And by then you're exhausted. You're like, you're, you're at mile 23 of the marathon. You're like, oh, just get me to the end. I just need this thing launched. And you're like, fine. And maybe you throw your brand name in it a couple of times to make it look polished. And if, literally you have allowed a different company to rewrite your brand experience yep. at the most crucial moment in time. And that is an abdication that you need to stop. And it is relatively easy to go in and say, hey, ops, can you pull that email that, hey, thanks, we're really excited to talk to you email, you know, the interview conversely at the end you know, of the interview prep email, like there's probably three or four of them that you're like, these are the ones that go out a lot, to your point, seen by 98% of the people, so useful. Yeah. Oh, my favorite, the one that gets ignored a lot is thank you for applying. That is, it feels like such a, it's a nothing email and you're right, it is a nothing email but it's an opportunity and an opportunity wasted is exactly that. So you cannot let that go. Go back into your brand and say, if this, if this brand is a thousand percent true, if it yeah. permeates our DNA, like literally put like a brand hat on and say, I am the personification of this brand, whatever that brand may be. I am the personification of all things in, you know, innovation, all things, happiness of all things, whatever the hell is safety. I don't care. What would safety persons say? at this moment and start there. And you're right, again, you don't have to be a copywriter, but it's a starting point to say, look, for someone who's looking for a job and they're applying to 20 places, they're gonna get this email and they're gonna see the 20 emails that are mostly the same. The one that's different means something and it's a chance for you to stand out. Absolutely. I think, I think it's just, it's a relatively straightforward thing for you to do. And it just makes such a difference because the multiplication effect of the amount of these things that are going out it's, you know, for the sake of a an hour wrestling with a sentence or two, the impact of it can be enormous. So I think it's it's such a an immediate thing to do as part of any of those kinds of things. Yeah, and I and I would recommend going to Google and looking for good ones. And I think because it yeah. to me, it's not so much that you're a bad writer and you don't know how to write this thing. It's simply that you've got these blinders on. It's you see this template, you've seen it a million times, you've seen it from other companies, and you're like, oh, this must be the way to do it. How do you break out of that kind of mental box? How do you, you know, and, and I think there are plenty of games like how would Oprah write a rejection letter? How, spend 50, burn 15 minutes on that question alone. You will inherently have the raw material to say something more meaningful in whatever letter you're writing. And this is somewhere where generative text engines are incredibly helpful. I, I play with those when I get writer's block and, you know, you can you can literally tell it your EVP or you you know thing and then say right now write me a rejection letter now yeah. write me an acceptance letter and then you know give it criticism of them and make it improve it now yeah. it's still not going to be as good as a professional full time yeah. copywriter but it's probably going to be a lot better than what was put there in a system five years ago when you had to get three hundred emails installed over a course of two weeks and everything had to be done very very fast yeah 
it's relatively straightforward to kind of make some improvements. You can add to that prompt, which by the way, is a great idea. And I highly for full, completely endorse it. You can actually say, write it like Gary Vanderchuk, write it like Oprah, really? write it like um, whoever you think is interesting or engaging or kind of embodies the brand, right? Part of your brand process, um, you know, a, an old kind of cliche is when you're developing a brand is trying to say, who is the celebrity or who is the famous person who feels like our brand? And it's a kind of a gimmick and yeah and if you have it great use it because again it's a starting point and it will help expand your thinking about what you can and can't be saying in yes. that space still go through legal still go through hr but and they'll polish off all the rough edges but why not talk about that thing you want to talk about why not bring it up i've seen companies even do things like offer look we can't say yes to you but here's a free yeah. tool that helps you manage your job search Right. Completely. That's a company that clearly cares about you finding a job that cares about you more than, you know, they, they're not throwing you away. They, they want you to feel like you got something out of this experience. And if they can't get, give customized formal feedback, well, then here's a tool that might help you find your next job. Why yeah. not? Why yeah. not? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. Uh, who's next? You or me? I, I think I, I think it's me. So I'm, this one is, is, um, it's, it's stupid because it's, it starts with don't boil the ocean and immediately everybody switches to the next podcast. And I, I and then hold on, hold on. Uh, just because I have an MBA doesn't mean I like to admit it. It doesn't mean I like to use it. I, I pretend it doesn't exist. Um, <laughs> but, it, in, but think of it in this case. Very often the employer brand, or if you think of all the clients they have to serve, all the people they have to make happy, all the interests they have to balance, it's very easy to try and think of what are things I can do that makes everybody happy and they're trying to boil the ocean and that is an impossibility. Yeah. Instead, I have found great success in finding one hiring manager or one recruiter and making them ecstatic, just thrilled that you showed up in the room. Not, oh, that was good, but more like, wow. I mean, I, whatever it takes. And it, honestly, in every company's comp recruiting process, it's all been systematized. It's all been boring to down to death. You showing up and asking questions like, who's the celebrity we should be going after? If you could hire any one person, what would it be like? If, if you were drunk at a bar, what would you tell somebody about this job? Just asking them and pulling out little nuggets and details and then embedding them into job postings and social postings and then saying, okay, here's how we're going to do it. You're going to post this. Here, go go back to your office, take a picture with your team with your phone, post it with this copy and these hashtags and let me know the second you do. And then we're going to do this and, we're gonna, and then I'm going to put up five bucks behind it because I got a five buck budget. I can do that. And I'm going to boost it to this audience and they're going to say, I can't believe that happened. That was amazing. Completely. Now, there's inherent value in making that person happy. There's just, you know, you know, just simply it's good. And those people talk, those people talk to other hiring managers who are going to want to know how did you do that? And can you do that for them? The game of employer branding is very much building influence and building a following inside a company to get stuff done. That doesn't start. It's a very Seth Godin audience idea is like, what's the smallest possible audience you can make happy? Start with one person. And if you can, make them more. If you can't, go back to the drawing board and figure out how to make that person happy. What's the secret ingredient in a great career site? It isn't the photo or the headline. It's not the layout or the features. The secret to a great career site is that it is based on a strategy, one that takes advantage of a company's unique resources and presents it in a compelling package. 
Are you getting the strategy you need to build a great career site from your employer brand or recruitment marketing agency? If you'd like to learn more about how a strategy-focused approach leads to a better career site, check out the award-winning work from 33, with offices in New York, London, and Bristol. Yeah, I mean, I think there are some really sensible questions you can add into any meeting with like a stakeholder. And one I quite often ask people is, what, what would if we did something brilliant, what would happen here? And, you know, so for that line manager, is what you regard as brilliant? Is it that you get loads of applicants or is it that you get two excellent applicants? Or is it is it that we hire someone who works over at company X? Or just asking them the question of what's the best possible outcome that could happen here? And yeah. getting them to tell you what the best possible outcome is. Sometimes that can really surprise you when you go, oh, that wasn't what I thought you wanted. Okay, all right, let me have another think about how I was going to do it. So always a good question to ask an individual. And they, as you say, they also just like the fact that you're interested in yes. what would make them happy. And that in itself will help with your reputation. But I also think, you know, to, to build on that, then, another thing I think all of you could do very, very easily is uh, set up a little survey, it, it messaged the last 10 internal stakeholders you have and go, what do you wish hadn't happened? And what what worked well and what didn't work well? Just, just yeah. two question survey, tell me something that happened during the recruitment process that you were really pleased with or impressed with or surprised with. And tell me one thing that you went, oh, that could have been better, or I wish that didn't exist, or I wish that had happened. But if you do that, most of them will ignore it, but some of them will give you absolute gold mm -hmm. and everyone will notice that you cared what you can't do is send them a 50 question survey because they, they're not interested in that. You've just given them another chore. Two questions in an email, you, they might well answer. And you know you can even tell them, feel free to ignore this if you're busy, but just so I can improve things. What was one thing that was great? What was one thing you'd make different? Yeah. Sometimes you get massive improvements out of doing that. And you know you can do that just after you've finished a process. You can do it like any time in the next few months after you've finished the process, as long as they can still remember it. Yeah, They'll give you something useful. I, and, and it puts you in a in an interesting position where recruiters are very tactical. They're very like, I've got these recs. I'm going to work these recs. I'm going to make these recs happen. They're going to push them across the finish line, come yeah. hell or high water. You can see the bigger picture. And if you start to notice that four higher managers say, I liked this, but I didn't like that. That is Completely. insight that you can bring to the TA leader to say, look, these are areas of opportunity to make recruiting better. And I think... Ultimately, the remit of employer brand can very often boil down to making recruiting better in whatever frame or fashion. I know that kind of boils down a little too much because there are so many knock on impacts and so many ways it impacts. But I think in, a, in an age where we're still arguing of, you know, what is employer brand and what's the value of employer brand? Just real simple, making recruiting better, the grease that goes in the recruiting machine and providing opportunities to say, look, one less step here makes this way better. Add in this question here, flip these things around, just simple ideas like that make big changes. And I think recruiters can will never see that. They can't see that. And I, I think uh, you and I talked about it once where it's like the, the first thing I like to do when I join a company is to say, what is the map of recruiting from I need a rec to they're, they're showing up, their butt is in the seat and everybody who shows up and everybody who needs to be involved in every checkbox and every function and every tool that goes into that process because no one's ever done that before. And they start to realize, oh, oh, wow, this is scary. This is messy. It's complicated. There's way too many steps. There's, oh, wow, we could truncate this really easily. That is a place where employer branding has the position and the opportunity to make a big difference. Completely, completely. And I think, so, you know, building off that idea, another quick thing that it's quite easy to think of is 
an awful lot of you will have some kind of employer brand in place and it might have a big framework and it might not. It might be just a few ideas in your head. There's a tendency for us to tell it to people. Instead, see if you can flip that over into what's a question I can ask that allows someone to figure out how to say this for themselves. Yes. This is a one hour exercise tops. But, you know, if you've got a promise about training and development, which probably a lot of you have, the flip question to ask a line manager or a recruiter is what's going to be brilliant about the training and development in this role? And you've just turned the the pillar that you wanted to talk about into a question that now allows that person to answer it more specifically and better at whatever their local level is. In their country, in their office, in this department, they can now start vocalising the EVP more effectively than you can because they know the job, right? But but you've got to flip it into what's the question that asks someone that thing. So again, if you've got a theme around personal impact, it's brilliant. If someone's amazing at this job, what might they achieve in their first year? That's the flip question Yeah, yeah. That turns it into something much more specific. And if you just sit down with whatever your comms model is and turn it into questions, you will now be empowering other people to use it rather than you having to show them how to use it all the time. Yeah. And it becomes the raw material for a infinitely better job posting. Right now, right? your laundry list of bullet points that say must have, must have, requirement this, requirement that, uh, you know, must have scale, scaled Mount Kilimanjaro while reciting poetry, you know, like all these wonderful things that must have. And you're like, no, they're really just nice to have, like, but you said must have, required. Um, starting with this is what you're going to achieve. This is what you're going to build. This is why it's this is a document that is that for some reason we assume people care to read. And the fact that you have a job is the impetus for them to read it. And the truth is that world doesn't exist anymore. You have to write it like a BuzzFeed article a little bit to say, give them a clickbait headline, give them a reason to read the first paragraph, give them a reason to look at their requirements, write the requirements in a way that don't feel like you're being yelled at, you know, just basic stuff like that. I think even, so that's great raw material, asking better questions in terms of how do you allow them to localize these big ideas into their particular world. What is their, what does a data scientist world look like in a space of we're learning and development? What does that look like? Cause it's, you don't know, you're not a data exactly. scientist. How do you Learn get that out of and, re- and developing into what role, right? Whereas the, lo- the line manager will go, oh, well, yeah, if you do this role, you could end up there, or you might learn these kinds of skill sets with us. Or, oh yeah, we'll send them on this machine learning. They will have the answers to those questions. Yeah. Or if they don't, they can go and ask their own team who are currently doing the job. What's the answer to these questions? But yeah, I mean, and sometimes if you come up with that list of questions, you can embed them straight into things like a job requisition form uh, into the actual document that you're first engaging with line managers or with recruiters with. You can put it straight in there. Um, And these are incredibly helpful things to have. And it it shouldn't take you, you know, more than an hour or two to sit down with your model and go, how do I turn this into questions? Yeah. And it will be time well spent. And I think that that what, so whether it's the intake process or the requisition process, your yeah. your mileage will vary. But to me, there's another way of using that, and it's like that is the moment when you're talking to the hiring manager as the recruiter. Okay, how many years experience do they have to have? Blah 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 blah. Yeah. Halfway through, ask, hey, will you commit to sharing this uh, job posting about uh, sharing a posting on LinkedIn about this job and what it's like? Yeah. Now, for recruiters, they're like that never happens. Like it happens every time. 
because you're asking yeah. at the right time. The wrong time is three months after the job has been sitting there and it's waiting and it's dead on arrival and no one's clicking on it. No one's looking on you and you're out of things to do. You're like, hey, will you post on it? At that point, the hiring manager is mad at you and they're mad at the recruiter. And it's like, how can you not do your job? The moment of the that, that genesis of this is what the job's going to be. How are we going to communicate it? This is when the recruiter and the intake process have the influence and the power to make things happen. This is the point where you say, would you be willing to make a 40 second video on your phone to do a thing? Yeah. Why? Because this, I want this job filled, right? This okay. is when you have the leverage. You can ask for the, for the world at this point and you should. The problem we often have, we ask at the wrong time. It's not the, the ask is wrong. It's the wrong time. And this is a point where if you can, as the employer brander, inject two questions into the intake form, things like, hey, will you commit to sharing this job on social media with copy we provide? Hey, will you commit to allowing us to make a quick video about your team? Yes or no, that yeah. is the moment to ask. Completely, completely. I think, you know, anything that improves your relationship with your internal customers is a good idea, right? Yeah. And it, it, it's, it's not that difficult to do. Developing your talent strategy and managing your employer brand are not simple jobs. You need all the support you can get, which is why I recommend that you subscribe to Employer Brand Headlines the free weekly newsletter chock full of things like links, insights, ideas to help you build your strategy and manage your employer brand. Just go to employerbrandheadlines.com and sign up for free. Shall I go next? So yes. I'm going to do the, the flip one is what can you do that's quick and easy to kind of change your understanding of and ability to serve candidates or, or indeed employees? And I think, you know, when we look at the candidate one for recruitment there's a couple of things you can really easily do number one please survey your applicants if you're not doing it please do it it's so easy right you've got all their details you have permission to contact them you don't need to pay to access this group are you asking them any questions and if not why not they can tell you whether your employer brand is actually getting through you know simple question one word survey why did you apply See yeah. if anything correlates to what you're putting in the job ads do it if you know as long as you can find a way to do it within your system um, you know, we can do it outside your system, you, but you know, there's no data protection issues here. You are allowed to contact them explicitly to do with the thing that they have applied to do with and surveying your own process is a perfectly sort of valid way of doing that. So, you know, I just think that's a no brainer. The other one, which I also recommend for just understanding the candidate viewpoint is be one, apply to some jobs on your own site, be a, do some mystery shopping, go through the process, film it. Um, you know, if anybody's got a Mac, I think it's Command Shift F4. You can literally record your screen and and just follow yourself through. The, I might be F5 actually, but follow yourself through the process. Screen record the whole thing so that you can actually see what it looks like, and you can show other people and go, "This is what happens when someone clicks through. This yeah. is what." And try and be as realistic as you can. Do things you would really do if you're job hunting. Don't do the things that they're supposed to do. Even better, get someone who isn't you to do it for you. You know, um, uh, get a, a family member or a spouse or a, you know, a friend who's staying for the weekend, get them to do it. Um, and that will be an invaluable tool for you to show people, look, this is what I need to do. This is what I need to work on. This isn't great, is it? Yeah. So I think, you know, for candidates, there's a bunch of really easy things you can do that will improve your picture of it. Employees, it's even easier because you are one. Look at your own inbox. Look at all the comms you're getting from your own employer and go, right, what does any of this hang together? Actually open it all up and put it side, side by side. That thing I got from L&D and the thing I got from Reward and Benz and the thing I got from this, does it all hang together? If it doesn't, 
reply to those emails. Hello, are you in charge of this piece of communication? Can I help you? Right, it's much easier for you to do the employment log because you are on the receiving end of anything that goes to all employees. Um, but yeah, do that. It won't take you long and it will help you lots. Yeah, and I think if you're mean and we, we've decided that I'm the mean one in this in this period, <laughs> um, is while you're recording your own, right after you do that, record to competitors. Yeah. Again, I'm mean. I'm just mean. And do and pick the ones that you're like legitimately scared of, the ones who are like, you know, they're getting good talent. Showing the process and how different it is and showing the response emails and showing the, you know, the, the just the entire experience side yeah. by side. It's, it, it's one thing to say, this is our experience and to say, this could be better and this is a little slow and this is too many pages and this is too many clicks. Showing it connects to your competitor and they're doing it in half the time. That is yeah. fuel to whatever fire you're trying to put in. It will give you and give the leadership a reason to engage way faster. Yeah, I mean, I think I think we made we made the point in several of the earlier episodes. Is it's often the thing that that really pushes the buttons of senior leaders is actually seeing that comparison between what we do and what hated competitor over there does, especially yeah. if it's hated competitor who stole several of your staff. That That's kind of what they want to know is, well, how are they managing to do that? And if you say, well, look, they've invested here. That's why they're doing better here. But look at, look at them versus us. Um, yeah, it's, and, it's a worthwhile thing. Totally. And and you've been brought that up, you know, the idea that if, if, if there's a company who's poaching you pretty good, Go talk to the people they post and just say, look, it's just me. I got no power. I got no stake in this game. I'm just trying to, I can't fix this. I'm not looking for a job. Tell me what your reasoning and thought process was because they're going to give you a perspective that you're never going to have access to. I literally had this opportunity once where uh, I was at a company. I left three months later, they left and unbeknownst to me and I interviewed them for another process. And we talked about what the job was really like from a, a position that I could never see, right? I was there to kind of say, look how great this company was and look at all these wonderful things we're doing. And they were seeing the real meat and potatoes of the day to day and saying, I had a problem with this. I had an issue with yeah. this. This manager was not very good at X, Y, and Z. You're like, oh, okay. That is incredibly powerful knowledge and is a phone call away. It's, an, it's, a, it's a quick, you know, can I buy you a coffee kind of chat away. I, I have often argued any employer that really thinks they're in a war for talent and there's a shortage of talent, as, as someone re leaves you, you should be coding them into one of two camps. People we don't mind leaving and people we did mind leaving. Yep. Anyone you did mind leaving, you should be contacting within two months of them leaving to go, was it better? Do you want to come back? Don't be proud. It's absolutely yep. fine. People do come back. I, I came back to 33 from somewhere else. So people will come back. And actually, you're a very safe option compared to the unknown. You're an employer Certainly. that they understand. So it's always worth, you know, going to someone, was the grass actually greener when you left over there? Or would you like to come back? And sometimes they'll go, no, it is actually amazing over here. Actually, this is better. And that's better than the other. Okay, you've learned something. Yep. Or they go, yeah, it's not. Can I come back? Yeah, of course you can. It's fine. And, you know, it baffles me that organizations don't do this. Oh, um, they love because... to burn that bridge. They love to say, don't let the, the door hit your ass on the way out the door. They love to say, screw you, you're leaving. And I, it, I can't. I can't even imagine where that comes from. It's madness because what that person actually does is go to the other employer, turn up and tell everyone that you're a bunch <laughs> of whatever. Right. So it, it's just a terrible idea, even if you don't want to hire them back. Yeah. Um, but if you do want to hire them back, well, they don't know that. They think that they burnt their bridges. If they haven't, one of the best things you can do is tell them. You know, and I can certainly think there's a couple of people at 33 who've come back, which involved, you know, one of them involved me going to the pub with him and saying, why don't you come back? I'm going back. And then he came back. And it's, <laughs> it, 
it can be as simple as that. People don't think they can do it, especially your younger staff think yeah. that they are forever cursed yeah. because they left you once. And actually, they can be brilliant hires when they come back because they know how your systems work, but they also know how someone else's systems work. They go, oh, wow, they do this thing better than we do. Let me show you how to do that. They can be amazing hires for that reason, Um, but they probably won't approach you unless you kind of give them permission to you. Yeah. But yeah. It's embarrassing. Just go. Find out why they left. Find out if it is better. Invite them back. 100%. All right. We're at the end of my list. You got anything else you want to add? Um, I think we've, we've been through, you know, all, all the big things I think you can do very, very quickly. There are lots of other things that are more complicated that I also think you should do. Yeah. Like, you know, making proper friends with the complexity of internal communications, which is m- much more complex than recruitment advertising usually. Yeah. Uh, but it is definitely a thing you should do. But I think, you know, we've been through a bunch of things that, you know, at least one or two of which you could do this afternoon. Totally. Um, and some of which you could do this week. And definitely, I think all of them you could do this month if you want to. And even if you only did one or two of them, it would make a substantial difference to a lot of you. So give it a go. Yeah. yeah and I, you know, so many of the things we want to do are big, they're massive. They take a year or six months to kind of implement. Um, I had an intern once who, this is during COVID, yeah. and she would get, you know, I give her these tasks and give her these projects and she would kind of run for a while and she could, you could sense that she was spinning that hamster wheel pretty hard. And she felt like, am I doing anything? And I would say, go wash the dishes. If nothing else, it gets you away from the screen, but allows you a moment to feel like I've accomplished something. The dishes are clean. Yeah. Sometimes just doing something small and checking a box and feeling like you've added something, it's a psychological hedge against the stupid big projects you're working on. It yes. turns out if you pick good, stupid psychological hedges just to check the box, they have inherent value because you're pushing that along. There's so many levers to employer brand, and it's I'm going to go with ego that says grab the big one, right? Grab the heaviest, the, the move that yeah. boulder. It's like yeah, and turns out there are a lot of little ones that have a huge impact too. And, and little ones can have a huge psychological impact. I, I've, you know, I, I remember doing a, a change project with a client years ago, and, and we sort of asked staff, we off the back of the staff server, we asked people everything they thought was wrong, and loads of things were like, oh, the internet's broken, and the HR system is terrible, and you know, there's this problem, and re- some really meaty stuff that they needed to fix that was going to take them a couple of years to fix. But you know, someone else said, timekeeping is terrible. Can we have clocks in the meeting rooms? I had clocks in those meeting rooms by the end of that day. I personally went and bought them from a local shop because I was like, we can do this. We can do this by five o'clock. If we do it, everyone will go, wow, we went to a change session and they started doing our suggestions today. The psychological impact of fixing that quickly is huge. Now, was that going to change that business? No, not really. But it does say we are working on the things that will change this business. So don't neglect this little stuff. I think think very often of your own psychological sense of well-being it's some weeks you get to the end of it and go what did i manage to do this week you've probably only given yourself big tasks to give yourself some small tasks that at least you can go tick yeah done. love it yeah even if it only took you half an hour it feels better on a friday evening <laughs> yeah buy, and the best part of buying clocks is that one it was cheap it was easy but really it bought you a month of okay we'll sit tight and see what the, what the next fix is and they're not just going oh it's another chance for them to ask stuff that they were doing they saw an example they saw you make a change okay you just bought some goodwill and that can give you exactly. three, four, five weeks before you can do the next thing. Exactly. You know, people, people are human and rational and they accept that you can't do everything at once and they, they know they can't do everything at once. But they, they what 
what's difficult for them is if they never see you doing anything at all because you're only taking on the big things, then you look like you might be a waste of space. Or at least if they see you doing some of the small things, they know that, oh, well, this person does actually turn up to work every day and do something. <laughs> they can at least see some activity there. So yeah. it is worth doing alongside the bigger, more transformational stuff. Exactly. Cool. All right. Well, this is the end of uh, season one. I don't know what season two is, where it looks like, when it's coming, what the deal is, but we wanted to put a cap on this season, something you could take away. So hopefully, if you've been listening, you know, you've got a lot of raw material to work from. And then here we are giving you some exact tactical things to fix. So hopefully this is useful to you. Absolutely. Uh, and there will be a test before season two <laughs> to make sure that you've actually listen to it before we'll let you know. <laughs> God, if only. That would be amazing. That would be the weirdest <laughs> test ever. Okay. Who quoted Epiclitus? Well, that wasn't James. <laughs> that was not James, who clearly even misspelled the word, the name Epiclitus. Um, <laughs> yeah. No, I, that would be great. Uh, just as a reminder, this is brought to you by 33 and Employer Brand Labs. 33 is based in the UK and the US, and they do amazing employer brand work. Um, you know, bigger companies, larger companies, not exclusively, but certainly if you're looking to do amazing creative employer brand work, 33 does great work. Uh, I, I'm, I'm of employer brand labs and I focus on tiny clients, sub 1000 employee companies, which Marcus likes, wait, they make those? Uh, yes, they do. There are millions <laughs> of them, it turns out. Uh, but I focus on those trying to grow quickly and trying to get their employer brand act together at the lowest possible, cheapest, fastest kind of, you know, minimal, effective, dosage kind of employer branding. And that's what I do. So if you're interested in learning more about us in 33 and employerbrandlabs.com, that's the easiest way to, to see our work and see what we do. Um, I got my fingers crossed that we can figure out a way to make a season two happen because I think there's more to be said. If you love this, let us know, comment, share it, do all the good stuff. Uh, we would love to get the impetus to have a season two, uh, you know, before we get too distracted by the rest of the world. So, um, I guess this is my last chance to say for a while. Marcus, thanks so much. This has been, as always, an amazing conversation. Absolutely. No, same, same in return. And thanks to everyone for listening. It's, it's been genuinely a lot of fun to put together this first season for you. All right, everybody. Thanks so much. And we'll see you maybe one day. <laughs>